the field nuts. Number 175. The one where we storm the gates of hell with a water pistol. The Field Knots Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo gatekeepers out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The The Theonauts! Hey, David. That was pretty close that time. Not bad. Not bad at all. How's it going? Tony Evans? Oh, yeah. Kingdom marriage. Yeah, that was our last life group study. A marriage of kingdoms. Yeah. You know what your next life group study should be? What? Uh, Letters to the Church. That is a good one. Francis Chan. Yeah. Yeah. That's disruptive. Because it's so like... uh, Disruptive? Exactly what our church is built on. Right. (laughs) Like almost to a T. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Speaking of Francis Chan, he's in the news today. Is he really? Yeah. In, in you going to get to that? Yeah, I'll get to that. Okay. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Not, not too bad. I'm doing better today than I have been. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, poor David. He's a programmer, and when it comes to programming, sometimes you get these bugs, these little buggies that just bug you, right, and shut down your entire server server, and uh, <laughs> leave your clients uh, foaming at the mouth, angry. Yeah. And yeah. So how long was it down for, officially? Um, over a week. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it it didn't take their whole business down. It was a new application that we launched um, a couple of weeks ago. It was going to take the place of some of the legacy stuff. And uh, everyone was all excited about it, and they used it for like three days. And then it just like, and and not only did it crash, when it would crash, it took the whole server down with it. Oh, no. Like, we had to restart everything every time it crashed. And so. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of uh, Jurassic Park when uh, the fat guy yeah. on the computer's like, ah, ah, ah. You didn't use the magic ah, word? You didn't use the magic And Samuel you Jackson's know, like, what the heck is this? He's chain smoking. We actually have <laughs> uh, Dennis Nedley or whatever his name is. We actually have a recording of that. No way. That plays. If you type in your password wrong in the system, it does that. It goes, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say the magic word. That's hilarious. <laughs> you did that, didn't you? Well, it, it does it. No, I actually didn't. One of the guys that works for oh, me. Yeah. But um, they did it um, internally. So if any oh, yeah. of the internal users do it, the, gotcha. the external users, the customers, <laughs> won't do that they don't them. get that. I wish. But yeah. That'd be funny, man. It's, and it's funny. It's got the little animation and everything <laughs> with I, I, an I, Elvis I. outfit on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, uh, guy's hilarious. So, yes, we found that bug today, and congratulations. Yeah, today has been pretty decent at work. Man, I'm so, coming off of spring break. Way to go back to all these kids. Yeah, I've been. I, I mean, the school's been great, but my sleeping pattern, like I was staying up late and getting up late, right, and now I have to go to bed early and get up early, and it's just thrown everything off, and not to. It doesn't help matters that during spring break we had daylight saving time mm-hmm. in, and I uh, 
and now we have a full moon, right? Yes. So it's just, oh. it's jacking with me, man. I'm tired all the time. Like right now, literally right now, I'm sitting here doing you a Theonauts episode. I could probably fall asleep in the middle of it. Not to mention I just <laughs> ate a gigantic uh, uh, Chinese dinner, so I'm like, <laughs> like totally out. But anyways, I'm, I'm stoked to be back doing Theonauts. I missed you. Yeah. Let's see. Um, okay, so we talked about doing when one of the weeks that we missed. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about doing one on Lent, right? And so uh, I guess that's uh, something cool to talk about that we I forgot about. In. Yeah. So I'm in uh, uh, on a on a Lenten fast actually. Oh. So wow. Yeah. How's it going? First time I've done it. Um, so far, so good. Um, Does that include beverages? Not at all. Okay. In fact, uh, I'm doing no restrictions on beverages at gotcha. all. Gotcha. Uh, in fact, what the it's a 40 day thing, so it's not yeah. like a full fast. It's um, it's uh, uh, what I do. It's kind of traditional. It's the one meal a day. Uh huh. And for me, that's most of the time lunch because I have Aww. political reasons for doing lunch for uh, where I work. <laughs> so, but anyway, you do one meal a day, and no snacks, no. Nothing, Nothing else, and then, uh, but I, but I haven't been restricting my beverages at all. I'm drinking, all, you know, stuff all day long, and then, um, uh, yeah, and so you know, traditionally, Sunday's your day off from the fast, right? You know, uh, and so like there's 46 days in the Lenten period, uh, from Ash Wednesday till Easter, mm-hmm. and um, so those six, there are six uh, Sundays, so it should be a 40 day. Full blown fast, but I've decided to just do the, run the whole thing. Of course, uh, I've had a couple of days. Of course, you. Have. I've had a couple of days where I because David doesn't know how to do anything half. No, 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 no. He goes one hundred percent. He's he's like he has two modes: zero or That's all David is. All right, so keep going. Sorry. So anyway, I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, so. In case you're thinking I'm converted to Catholicism, that's not what's happening. No, no, no. Lent is um, not a Catholic thing. Yeah, and, uh, and a lot of Protestants think it is, but uh, actually, there's a lot of Protestants that do the whole Lenten thing. Yeah. So um, it it actually has some very good biblical. You know what roots. I was thinking next year? Um, I'm going to get shot by all my Southern Baptist listeners out there. But <laughs> Go I'm, for it. I'm thinking next year the way I ought to offer uh, Ash. For Ash Wednesdays, yeah, we we ought to have a st- uh, station set up so you can come and get your ash. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that's awesome. We should do that. We should hey, talk I'm, to the shepherds about that. I'm down. They're gonna think we're crazy. <laughs> what do you want me what, to do with what, what? What? Where are we gonna get the mashies from? Yes, we can take <laughs> barbecue. What? Yeah, <laughs> we'll have a big barbecue the weekend. But I'm on board. Then let's do that. <laughs> In in time yeah. we can barbecue, I'm fine. Let's, <laughs> let's do that. So it's, that's it, cool. It's really cool though because the yeah. whole point is to uh, forty has always been like this um, symbolic number period of time. Yes, that uh, where it's forty days, forty years, whatever of preparation, and devotion, and judgment upon sacrifice. yourself, sacrifice, and. So I mean, you mm-hmm. got forty years in the wilderness. You got Jesus forty days in the wilderness uh, doing the the his fast uh-huh. it, right after he was baptized, 
And uh, so that's where actually the Lenten right. practice comes from. It was like, let's mimic Jesus, but not go all the way. <laughs> <laughs> let's so, eat because we're not the son of God. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, it's modeled after that. Sure. And if you read that story, it's really kind of cool. It's modeled after, like what Jesus did in the wilderness is modeled after the children of Israel. Children of Israel. In fact, all the scriptures that Jesus quotes to Satan come right out of Deuteronomy 6 and 8. When the children of Israel were struggling in the wilderness. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a cool study. If, um, you should go in. We're going to do that. Don't don't spoil it. we got to do a full-blown uh, okay. Theonauts We can do that. that. Yeah. We, we'll, surely we'll do Theonauts before so Easter. I hi- yeah, I hijacked <laughs> today's Theonauts because I'm preaching on Sunday, and... This, I don't think you hijacked it. I hijacked it because we were going to do no, that study, but we'll do it. We'll do it next week. Lent next week. You and me, right here. Okay. So, so that was a, a precursor preview. Yes. Of Lent. Next next week on the Theo Knots, we dig in our belly buttons. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Did you under, get that? under my toenails. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. great. All so, right. You, you get ready to do yeah, this. Yeah, I'm thing? off my game a little bit here. Hold yeah. on. You got your glasses on? I need to fix them. Your new glasses? Strap me nuts. I just ordered some new glasses, by Did the way. Did you? Actually, I ordered old glasses. Are they round? No, no, no. They're my old glasses. Oh. See, that's one thing that irritates me. When you get new glasses, you can't say, here, I like my glasses. <laughs> right. Can you please just put new lenses in them? They go, well, no, we can't do that. You got to have new ones. <sighs> so you always have to buy new lenses and new frames. Well, online, that's not true. Oh. So eyeglasses.com I'm going to give a shout out to these guys will do like if you give them your prescription which my doctor made the mistake of giving my prescription on a little card laminated card or whatever you can put it in online mail your your frames to these people and they'll put new lenses in your frames for you that's amazing yeah and it's like half right the cost because you're not buying frames Dude, yeah, I liked your old glasses way more. I mean, your new ones are nice, but <laughs> I, I got to be honest. Me too. Yeah, because they were they were really old school horn yeah, rim. They were and horn that's, that's kind of going out of style a little bit. But you know, because you can't find them like you could. No, they're a lot more like the '90s round styles coming back. You yeah. notice that? Yeah, these are actually European. Um, like I don't know, it's. <laughs> They're okay. I like they, them. They fit your face. For they you, have huh? the same shape as the horn rims. Yeah, but they're just not classic looking. Yeah, I got you. So, all right, you ready to segue into this? Yeah, sure. So I don't know if I should be admitting this or not, but I'm preaching on Sunday, and this morning, um, as I was, oh crap, I forgot to put my grades in oh well what anyways, are you talking about school oh something just punched me in the face i forgot to do anyways <laughs> so uh <laughs> as i was busying myself finishing my final grades for kids and all this stuff i thought oh snap i'm preaching this sunday mm-hmm. so during my teacher prep time i thought okay what i'm what, what am i gonna preach about because like you know i've been so busy Lately, my Bible study's been, you know, just kind of the same old, same old, dwindling down, boring stuff. And so, not the Bible study's ever boring, but it's, you know, it's nothing that I want to preach about. And I usually pull my sermons from what God is revealing to me through right. my Bible study. So, on a whim, 
literally, I open up my Bible to Matthew 15, and I start reading Matthew 15. Okay. And at first, I'm like, oh, this is cool. We're doing the 5,000. That's neat. But no, and I keep reading, and I'm like, oh, now the Pharisees are introduced. And then, boom, all of a sudden, Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi, and he's doing the whole gates of hell thing. Matthew 16. And then I start reading, and I'm going through Matthew 17, the transfiguration. And so I come back to Caesarea Philippi because I remembered a long time ago um, a study that I had done. Actually, I was reading a book, and I think it was Rob Bell um, who first opened up my eyes to what Caesarea Philippi was. Really? Yeah. I don't guess I've seen that Uh, by Rob Bell. I don't know. I forget the – it might be – I can't remember the name of the book. But it was after his famous Velvet Elvis yeah, book. Yeah. And so anyways, or it might have been Velvet Elvis. I don't know. Anyways, that has nothing to do with it. But I remembered some things. And so I started researching Caesarea Philippi again. And that's when my world was like blown open by mm. this study again. And so many things just started hitting me. Image after image after image is in this jam-packed little five-verse story. And so the more I'm I'm reading, I'm like, yeah, we've got I've I've got to preach on this on Sunday. But not only that, we've got to do a theonauts on this, and we're doing theonauts tonight. So I'm like, hit David up. We're doing this. So here we go. Um, You have been to Caesarea Philippi, right? That is correct, and. It was like, it was like one of the. Here's the cool thing about my trip to Israel. Yeah, was like, I knew I was going to be blown away by the Garden Tomb. I sure. knew I was going to be blown away by the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, those things were things I was expecting. We went there, bam, it happens, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh my. Well, um, <laughs> there. What was the cool thing about the trip were the things I wasn't expecting to get blown away by. Sure, Caesarea Philippi. Top of that list. Yeah. Went, went, I was not expecting anything. I was like, why are we even going up there? You know, Jesus spent five verses there. <laughs> like, why are we going? You know, and we're going up into the area of Dan. And right. What it, is that? It was like, and they told us, oh, it's going to be uh, different um, in its geography. And okay. And it was. It was like, you know, you sure. kind of went from desert area to woods. You, it was like, Colorado or Arkansas. Right, yeah. I mean, it was like pine trees, and I mean, it was totally different. Sure. Um, but anyway, we went to Caesarea Philippi, which is basically just this big stone cliff mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and one of the sources of the Jordan River right. runs from a spring in a grotto out of uh, the Banya. Right. Uh, it comes out of there and runs into the Jordan River. Sure. So, so yeah, Um let me just blown away by by the whole yeah. thing that we'll get to. Yes, exactly. So let me just read the little piece that people usually read. Um, Matthew chapter sixteen. It starts in verse thirteen. If you want to read it for Are me, we in the ESV. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's whatever you want to read. <clears throat> now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is?" And they said, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." And he said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" Simon Peter replied, 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Awesome. Okay. So growing up in Sunday school, you know, I heard this so much. Um, You know, it was this little piece where Peter um, says that he is the Messiah or the Christ, the son of the living God. For the first time, this is the big proclamation. It's also the first time that the church, Jesus specifically mentions his church, which is a big deal. Um, and so this is kind of an important thing in Jesus's ministry and Jesus's life. And that's about where it ended for me studying it yeah. growing up. And later I heard a little bit of interesting stuff about this whole gates of hell thing, yeah. that there's an actual place called gates of Hades yes. in Caesarea Philippi. But then I really did some digging today and just absolutely was stunned. And so, do we want to talk first about what the traditional arguments are in this passage, though? Before we, oh get yeah, into about Catholicism. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so th- so this is a, not a um, unfamiliar passage to most people, and right. so uh, it is a highly debated. Passage, yes, it is, uh, especially between Protestants and and Catholics. Uh-huh. Uh, so. We'll start with the with the Catholic view of this passage. Sure. So when Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, <clears throat> "You are Peter." Yes, uh, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven; whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So when you read this. Let's do the whole flat hermeneutics uh-huh. and say, um, the Bible says it, I believe it. That settles it. That settles it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not do any research whatsoever. <clears throat> it sounds like he's telling Peter, he is this rock. Peter's name actually means rock, so that makes sense. Right. You are this rock, and I'm going to build my church on you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Uh-huh. And you're going to have complete power over it when he says, whatever you bind on earth will show down in heaven. Well, according to uh, Catholicism, and um, he, this makes him the first pope. Right. And so that actually comes from a very interesting history where, oh, my goodness, you have to jump all the way back to where there was basically um, – a whole bunch of argument about who was in authority. Uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church was about to split off. There was going to be the great schism um, that happened. And so they had the Eastern Orthodox over there in Constantinople yeah. who were saying... Istanbul no, was Constantinople. Istanbul, yeah. And they're saying, we're the authority and we have the 12 apostles, the, the passed down 12 apostles. And Rome is over here saying, no, we're an authority. And not only that, but we have the Holy See which is the seat of St. Peter. Uh, he's the Pope, right. and you can't, you can't uh, go over the Pope's head. And so there was a big split. He's got the keys to the kingdom. Exactly. And so they used this scripture to make their case and point that 
the Holy See was supposed to be the the ruling faction mm-hmm. of the church, right. the big you know ecclesia, the the Roman Catholic Church, and so traditionally it's been Capital passed on C. ever since um, because of that. And it's a flat hermeneutic. You you said that exactly, and we'll get into that. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest controversies between Catholics and Protestants. Yeah, uh, this whole Peter thing and, and the Catholic. Uh, no, no offense to any Catholic listeners, but uh, they'll they'll use this as their proof. And uh, I worked for worked in a Christian bookstore um, with, uh, well, it was owned by Catholics. Yeah, and uh, had a lot of debate over this one scripture over and over again about you know, well, he's the Pope, you can't you know. Yeah, and I'll be like, yeah, well, have you ever looked at the Middle Ages Pope, Middle Ages Popes? Those guys were absolutely terrible, tyrannical rulers. So I wouldn't be claiming them as having the authority of Christ, but mm-hmm. whatever. Anyways, um, where I actually want to start with this is the geographic history. Of, well, let's get the Protestant view. Oh, the Protestant view. <laughs> Jeremiah's itching to get yes, the yes, good yes, stuff. Yes. So the, the so. Protestant view uh, is that Christ is the rock. Yeah, or the statement. Right. Yeah. In fact, uh, as much as I love the Passion Translation, I think they, they miss it here because okay. he's obviously a Protestant. Sure. Let me jump over into the Passion Translation uh, because he says, this is how he translates it, he says... Mm-hmm. Uh, I give you the name Peter of Stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation upon which I will build my church. So, Truth of who I am. So he's actually, the Protestants say, no, when he says upon this rock, he's actually referring to back what Peter said, said his not Peter himself. Correct. Uh and we're gonna we're gonna look at both of these and see yeah. how they're wrong. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's like if, if you're Protestant or if you're Catholic, you could be offended. But, but you know, you're wrong. <laughs> yes. So let's everyone's go. Everyone's equal in the, in all this. That's, so. that's right. So let's go back. We love you all the same. I want to talk about the geographical location, um, Caesarea Philippi, and not just Caesarea Philippi, but that that larger region. Mm-hmm. Caesarea Damn. Philippi sits. At the foot of a mountain. And this mountain is called Mount, Mount. Hebron. Okay? Okay. Um, Mount Hebron. Mount Hermon. Is it? No, Mount Hebron. Okay. It's Mount Hebron. Yeah. I guarantee you. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're the one that's in it right now. <laughs> yeah, so go, so, so go for it. Um, Mount Hebron is a sacred mountain. To Jewish people. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's mentioned in Scripture more than once. It's mentioned in uh, Song of Solomon, um, where the lover says to his beloved, let's go up to the highest peak, yeah. uh, Mount Hebron, and look down over the, the valleys, right? Um, which you can translate to different stuff. Uh, it's mentioned in Psalm. So I want to go to a, just a couple Psalms real quick. Okay. Psalm 133. If we can. Sure. What version you want on this? It doesn't matter. Oh, well, then I am going to choose the Passion for Psalms. Well, okay, so there's only three verses, and hopefully... It doesn't mess it up too much? Yeah, hopefully it doesn't mess it up. <laughs> oh, did I say Hebron? It is. It's Hermon. Mount Hermon. Oh. Why did I say Hebron? I don't know, but you argued with me. I, yeah, I wrote it down <laughs> in my notes. Let me cross this out here. It is Mount Hermon. Again... I learned this all today. 
Well, Mount Hermon is also, if you read, oh, okay, our good friend, uh, Brian Gadawa. Uh-huh. Oh, man. You're going to get a lot of Mount Hermon in his yes, book. Yes, Because yes, yes. it's like the seat of the pagan gods. Yes. I'll, I'll, I won't spoil your thing. Right. So, anyway, so uh, Psalms 133? Psalm 133. Okay, says, How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This heavenly harmony can be compared to dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life. Forever. So I love a couple of things, though. His, from this place, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. Mm-hmm. That picture there. <laughs> um, I do like in verse 3, the ESV translates it word for word, and it says, uh, it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's this image of Mount Hermon being a place where it's the highest point of Israel, I believe. Exactly, where water comes one, from. One of the highest points. So the reason that Mount Hermon is so sacred to the Israelites, um, and it, it was originally sacred to the Israelites, and we'll we'll get to how it transferred to the gods, mm-hmm. but originally it was a sacred place to the Israelites. In fact, they considered it um, a picture of heaven, okay? that's right. That's where God was was in the heavens Mount Hermon, all right? So this is their picture of heaven on earth. And it is the highest point, you're right, the highest point in uh, in that whole region. Um, during the winter, it snows there the entire time. Uh, it has heavy rainfall because of its high peaks. And, uh, and that rain comes, and it forms into um, springs, and those springs feed into what becomes the uh, the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River, right. um, which feeds the entire valley. Without Mount Hermon, there would be no life. It's, it's where the life comes from because that's where the water comes from. Right. And so when these Jews first came to the Promised Land, they realized real quick where the springs of life came from. And that's what they consider Mount Hermon as a spring of life, right? That's where all their tributaries come from. That's where the the living water flows from. The Jordan River, which is their living water, flows from the heights of Mount Hermon. So in their imagery, it was a picture of God giving life to the Israelites. And you look at uh, where where the Jordan River heads to the first uh, reservoir mm-hmm. is Galilee. Right. So it's like Galilee's a picture of life. Exactly. It's like full of fish. Teeming with it. Uh, when you walk the shores of Galilee, it's pretty amazing, actually. I thought, by looking at a distance, I thought, oh, there's like gravel. It's like, it's like pebbles. You go and you actually start walking there, and it's not gravel. It's... Shells. Shells. Mm -hmm. Seashells. There's so many little bitty seashells. It looks like gravel. Yeah. Like the place is teeming with life. Right. And, you know, and that's where the Israelites get their life. Uh, Psalm 
42 real quick. Look at that one, and you can read that again in okay. um, your favorite translation. <laughs> Should I venture to say, is it your favorite translation? Uh, for certain books, for sure. Okay. In Psalms, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Which Psalm? Psalm 42, and I want you to read verse 5 through 7, okay. the sorrowful psalm. Yes. So then, my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just keep hoping and waiting on God, your Savior. For no matter what, I will still sing with praise, for living before His face is my saving grace. Oh, you're going to seven? Here I am depressed and downcast, yet I will still remember you as I ponder the place where your glory streams down from the mighty mountaintops, lofty and majestic, the mountains of your awesome presence. My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. Your waterfall of weeping sent waves of sorrow over my soul, carrying me away, cascading over me like a thundering cataract. All right, so that's beautiful, and you have some imagery of water, but it doesn't hit what I wanted okay, for so you want me to read, translation. Read, version? read the ESV version, Okay, and again, <clears throat> uh, start with five and go through seven. So why do you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in the turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone before me. Okay. So a couple places it's (coughs) mentioned here. Hermon, first off. Yeah. Then Mount Mizar. And it mentions a waterfall. Okay, so actually where we're going to get to in Caesarea Philippi is right at this Mount Mizar, okay? And there's a gigantic, I don't know, if did you see the waterfalls there? Uh, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so, um, and... and, and we'll, it's like a stair-stepping thing. Right, and we'll get to those mm-hmm. waterfalls in a second, but so uh, in Psalm we're reminded continually of Hermon, and in this one, specifically Mount Mizar and beautiful waterfalls, imagining living water coming back and breathing life into dead land. And if you know anything about Israel, you know that, well, I mean, basically all around it's desert, right? Right. right. So the only life that comes is from this mountain. Yes, and this is the Fertile Crescent. Yes, the Fertile Crescent. And so um, fast forward a little bit into Israel's history. Jordan breaks off of Israel. You have this wicked king. Uh, Jeroboam in the northern kingdom, right, of Israel. And he sets up uh, high and lofty places to Baal. Um, it, it, you can go look that up if you want to, First Kings 12. Yep, this is the uh, tribe of Dan. Yes. <coughs> so and this is the area of Dan. Right. We're talking about. So Dan actually settled here because they were afraid of the Philistines. They moved up and settled in this higher place. Mm-hmm. And this whole area is the area of Dan. And Jeroboam, whenever he decided to start Baal worship, he saw this as a perfect place to set up his high places to offer sacrifices to Baal. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Well, Baal was a fertility god, right? And so when you, whenever you think of fertility, you think of life, yeah, right? And so the <laughs> way they would worship Baal was they would uh, offer sacrifices to him, and he was the god that brought spring, and then he went away during the winter. Well, where did he go away? 
um, this is an interesting story. So, um, and this is right around where uh, Jeroboam set up his temple. But the story goes that every winter, Baal needs to leave. So he goes to the god of the, un- or he goes to the underworld. Okay. The gates of Hades. Hades. That's right. And so he goes to this one particular spot, this gigantic hole. You've seen it, mm-hmm. right? And Baal goes down into the depths of Hades, and he's there all winter, and then he's resurrected. He comes back in spring, okay? Yeah. So they would worship Baal in spring, and, and this was a perfect spot to worship Baal because this is where life came from. Yeah, so this is the, the source actually comes out of that grotto. It comes out of that yes, cave that's right. there on the side of the mountain. Exactly. And originally, the waterfall actually came out of that cave. There was a gigantic spring um, back in the day. Back then, there was a lot more water uh, yeah. than there is now, and it would just flow out of that waterfall. In fact, uh, Josephus says, uh, if you look him up and check him out uh, on this topic, he talks about this topic, and he says that... that if you go into that cave, there's a cliff, and it's they. He said that no rope could ever fathom it. Hmm. It was just like a bottomless pit full of water, and that water would rush out of it. Right. Okay. Right. So it was this gigantic tributary, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So they would do Baal worship there, and Baal again. I want you to get the imagery. Baal would go into the grave every. Uh, right for winter, and then resurrect, come out of the grave, <laughs> right? Yeah. In spring, and they would worship Baal this way. Fast forward <laughs> a few years, <laughs> the Greeks come and they conquer uh, with Alexander the Great. Yep. And Alexander the Great realized that this would be a perfect spot to set up a place for his god. Yep. Pan. Okay, one of the one of the Greek gods, Pan, and Pan was. A fertility god. Yes. Well, it makes sense because this is the perfect... I mean, this is... So basically, he took over the spot of Baal and he set up Pan and, and it became known that the town was some like... Of, some of these gods are interchangeable too. Yes. I mean, like they borrowed them from older cultures. Oh, man, yeah. And so they became... They just gave him a new name. Right, so. exactly. Uh, so if you know anything about um, Greek uh, mythology, you know that Pan is this weird goat, half goat, half man, right? He plays a... <laughs> Flute. A flute, um, and so uh, he's uh, he's the god of fertility, and um, and so in fact the place uh, Alexander the Great or the, the Greeks named it uh, Panion or something like that, mm-hmm. P A N I A N or something. You can look it up later and correct me, but <laughs> that's what they would call it. So they set up a temple there, right? Yeah, and uh, they they dug little alcoves in the side of the rock right. where this, this this gigantic cave was mm-hmm. and they put up their statues and they built a, a temple and they even had uh, goat worship where they had two pens. One of them was 
like where the goats would basically mate as mm-hmm. an honor to pan, another pen where the goats would dance as an honor to pan, and one of the biggest ways you would worship pan is by sex and getting drunk and partying because pan was the partying god. Yeah, all the good stuff happens in spring, right? So yeah, this yeah. is when everything life's coming, and how do you live life? You live it to the fullest, and you go nuts. You party, yeah. and so they that was how they would worship as they would they would have their pagan worship like that uh, fast forward a little bit further rome conquers uh um it becomes a um it becomes basically owned by uh well rome under emperor augustine who sets um herod over it right right and then herod philip makes it his capital and that's where we get philippi right right um and then he builds a he builds two temples. He builds one to Caesar. That's where we get Caesarea, right? Right, Philippi, and there's another temple to Zeus. So, two of the biggest gods, yeah. right? There's Zeus, there's Caesar, mm-hmm. and there's Pan, <laughs> and there's all this worship going on in Caesarea Philippi. It is a hub of um um. What do they call it? If you're not Jewish, you're... Uh, Gentile? Gentile. It's a hub of Gentile worship. Yeah. It's, 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 paganism. Yeah, it's a hub of paganism. <clears throat> it's um, it's actually one of the cities of the Decapolis. Right. So uh, the Decapolis were 10 major um, cities f- for commerce, worship, things of that nature, and that, that were situated in and around this whole Israel area. Yes. And so Caesarea Philippi was the primary city of the Decapolis. Right. So this would have been, like in the time of Jesus, under the Roman rule, this was worship central. Like this was, like Muslims have their Mecca, the Romans had Caesarea Caesarea Philippi. This is where you came. And when we were there, I mean, you can see all the ruins because all this stuff is carved into this rock face. Right. So Caesarea Philippi is, in essence, a big cliff. Yeah, uh, and all the this it didn't really have a lot outside of the worship. It was just mostly a center for worship. Yes, and one of the things that um, was mentioned by the guide that while we were there was that it was a a la carte. Pick your god. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they Romans were they believed in a pantheon, which me- means a multiple gods. Variety of gods. And so you had a god for fertility, you had a god for war, you had a god for peace, you had a god for love. Oh yeah, the uh um nemesis. Uh there was a there was a temple to nemesis there too. Yeah. So I forgot about that whoever one. whoever you choose, whatever <laughs> right. season you're in, whatever um you know if you if you needed fertility in your life, you would obviously worship, you know, uh for pan. Mm-hmm. It, whatever you would choose your god and you could do it like this was like a, a smorgasbord of pagan worship that was going on here. Yeah, and uh, um, I mentioned before that Baal would go in every winter and come out every spring. Well, they kept on that tradition. They mm-hmm. believed that Pan would go in every yeah. winter, come out every spring and live there. And, uh, and this would be the gate uh, gates of hell and it's actually translated Hades it's not it's not hell's a bad translation yes uh Hades is the the realm of the mm-hmm. uh dead so yeah so first off we're going to break a flat hermeneutic here 
Yeah. Okay, so when you read this, Bible says it, I believe it, that sells it, and you read the word hell, what do you think? Damnation, lake of fire. The domain of Satan. Yes. Right? Oh, there you that's, go. That's what you think. Sure. And... But that's not, he didn't use Gehenna, he, he didn't use even Tartarus or any of these yeah. other uh, references to, to hell. It wasn't the lake of fire. Right. This is a Greek um, a, a Greek religion yes. item. This is uh, what the, the Jews referred to this place, right. Sheol. Sheol. So, and Hades was the Greek mm-hmm. word. And for whatever reason, we've translated Hades into hell in mm-hmm. our vernacular. Right. But it's really a bad English translation yeah. simply because we think of hell as eternal uh, torment and whatever. No. Which is not what was going on here. The idea of this place was you go into that cave and you keep going down until you reach the uh, underworld. The underworld. And that's mm-hmm. where all the the people who die, that's where they go. They go to the underworld. Um you know, by the river sticks, and they're ferried over, and all yeah. that stuff. So, uh, anyways, they believe that the gods—that's how they would get down to the underworld, and then they come back out in yeah. spring, and all this stuff. So, anywho, um, that sets the stage for this crazy happening in uh, Matthew, Matthew sixteen. So, a couple very interesting things. In Matthew 14, Jesus is 30 miles south, almost 30 miles yes, south. Yes, at Galilee, right? He's in, yeah, he's in Galilee. This is when the feeding of the 5,000. Yes. This is when this happens. And right after that, it seems like, well, he has this. In he walks cha- on the water, Galilee. Chapter and, 15, yeah. you have this, you know, uh, exchange with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then it just, in 16, it almost seems like he comes in and he's like, now Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. Like they were just walking around the sea and all of a sudden, bam, they hit this place. Exactly. But that's not right. If you study the geographical location, like we said, it's mm-hmm. it's situated at the base of Mount Hermon, 30 miles to the north of yeah, Galilee. At least a day's walk, right? At least a day's walk. So Jesus... What I'm what I'm trying to get at is Jesus purposefully took his disciples mm-hmm. to this spot yep. to declare something. There's an object lesson the, about to happen. Exactly. There's an object lesson. And so he leads his disciples into Caesarea Philippi. And when he's standing there, he turns. And here's what I imagine. A Jewish man, a good, devout, orthodox Jewish man, wouldn't really be caught dead. In Caesarea Philippi, right? There was no, there was nothing for Jews there. Exactly. This was a place of pagan worship, and we're talking about not friendly pagan worship. We're talking temple prostitutes mm-hmm. because we have fertility gods here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways that they worship was to place. exactly go and have sex with a temple prostitute, um, and they would do public displays of sexuality. The the goat dancing I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. it was all sexual, and it was all it was meant to invoke ideas of sexuality because that's that's how you have babies, right? right. And so, um, it, it's anything but a pure place. And I want us to think of 
how it's mentioned in Psalm versus the Psalms versus how it is now. It's almost like it all started with Jeroboam. And no wonder God got mad at Jeroboam for setting up mm-hmm. idols in the high places, uh, in the high place right there. Yeah. And he Be- took a lot of the tribes with him yes. whenever he did this. This is a this was a pure picture of God and his goodness and his grace flowing life out of his holy mountain or out of heaven into his people. And what what the people did, what the heathen did was took it and transformed it into something that was anything but related to purity. They took the truth and they twisted it. They understood life and fertility, but they worshipped life and fertility, mm-hmm. right? And they worship. They they created a god out of it, and they started worshiping this god, and it led to worshiping other gods. And before you know it, Caesarea Philippi is not a place that is good for Jewish people anymore. Right. So they took something good and they perverted it. Man, it, it's kind of a picture of humanity, huh? Mm-hmm. It's crazy kind how of what it we works. do. That's right. And so Jesus leads them right into the center of it. And he's standing there, and I believe he's right at the gates of hell. Yeah. Like he's standing right outside that temple of Pan and the, mm-hmm. the temple of Caesar. And over there is the the uh the grotto, you know, the temple of Zeus. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he turns to his disciples in the midst of all this worship mm-hmm. that's going on all around him, of all these different deities, right? And he simply he asked them one statement Who do you say that I am? Yeah. Or who do men who, say that I am? Who do people say that I am? That's right. And and obviously they turn to their tradition. Right. They start talking about Jewish what Jewish people are thinking. Because they believe that, you know, Elijah's gonna come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever done the, the Passover, mm-hmm. you leave a cup out for Elijah, right? You go right. check the door right. for him. Uh some say that you're John the Baptist, which is interesting, that you're yeah. reincarnation of the dude they just killed. Yeah. Seeing how he baptized you. Right. Others, Jeremiah the prophet, or another one of the prophets. Yeah. And he said to him, said to them, but who do you say that I am? Yeah. And Simon Peter boldly replies, you are the Messiah, the Christ. We believe that you are literally the son of the living God. Yeah. And I like the word <laughs> living here because they're in the midst of gods. Oh, yes. Like all over the place. But none of them are living. Nope. They're all statues. Yep. Little dead gods. Exactly. <laughs> they can't move. They can't do anything. Put all over the place. And Peter says, You're the son of the living God. Yeah. How ironic is it that all these worshipers yeah. are all looking for God all around him and he's standing. It's- it's, right in the midst of them. Jesus prepares this, like he sets this whole thing up. He takes them up there, and it's like, I kind of envisioned his question was deeper than they were even thinking. Because yeah. his question is, who do men say that I am? He wasn't like, who does the rabbi say that I am? Who does who do the Pharisees say that I am? He wasn't asking that specific question. That's kind of what they answered. Right. But his question was, who do men say that I am? So if you think about it, Jesus is standing with his disciples in the midst of 
this erotic and crazy worship center, right. all this wacky stuff going on. There's no way any of them see the son of the living God in this. Like none of them. They, there's no way. And his whole point was kind of like standing here, you would never know that I am who I am. Right. Like I'm the God of the universe. Yeah. And yet all these people don't get it. Right. And I think that was really kind of the the source of the question, even though they still missed kind of what he was saying. Oh, sure. But anyway, I just thought that was really cool. That's brilliant to me. And I love the boldness of Peter here, mm-hmm. although we're going to see him screw up in the next few <laughs> verses. Yeah. And then Jesus answered and said to him, and this is, this is a kicker, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh... And blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay. So let's look at this verse 18 here, which is so widely debated. Unpack this craziness. First off, and I tell you, you are Peter. So he's pointing at his name, Petros. Right? Yes. Uh, yes. Petros. Which is, means a small rock. Or a pebble. Okay? Yes. Think of a yes. pebble. There you go. Petros is a pebble. Right? Mm-hmm. And then he says, and upon this rock, and the Greek word for rock here that he uses is Petros. Okay? Petra. Yeah. Petra. That's right. So Petra doesn't mean tiny rock. Yeah, it literally means a mass of rock. A mass of rock, a gigantic mm-hmm. rock. So almost like, I don't know, a cliff face yeah. where he was mm. standing. Okay, Go figure. So you can imagine <laughs> him pointing at Peter and saying, you are Peter, and upon this rock, and turning and pointing at the, at the at cliff face. At Philippi That's, itself. Exactly. Yes. Upon this rock I will build my church <clears throat> and the gates of hell. And pointing at the gates at the of Hades. hell. Hades, yes. That's right. Gates of Hades will not stand against it or prevail against it, will not defeat mm. it. Okay, so let's talk about that. Before we go into uh, anything else, let's yeah. talk about what he's saying there. Well, it's a big deal. So although we've got a Catholic view of this, we've got a Protestant view of this, if we put it in the context of where he's the, at. the event, the the geographic location, the culture. culture. I mean, this is called hermeneutics. Like yes. this is this is really uh, how you exegete these passages, right? And so, really, he's not making a foundational statement like we've tried to make this into. Right. He's not saying I'm going to build a religion on anything. He what he's saying is that that's a firm statement you are you're a pebble you're you're a, you're a small stone but upon this rock and pointing at the place they're standing this rock will become my church yes like i w- my church is going to take this place over yes so this one seemingly insignificant person standing in the middle of a worship center where there's mm. all these different worships going yeah. around. He's going to be the one. King of gods. That's right. Yes. He's going to be the one that changes the entire world. That's yes. the point. Yeah. That's what he's saying. And the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against yes. it. So this no matter, worship. No matter what you're doing here. Exactly. is not going to prevail. It's not going to last. 
This not going to stand against it. Mind blowing to them. Yes, because they can't fathom a world without this. That's right. This is this is all they know. Yeah. This is like, um, you know, this is like corporate America for us. I mean, it was be like, can you imagine a world without? Walmart at this point, <laughs> like they they that's exactly true though. Yeah, they can't imagine what the world would look like without the without Decapolis, it. without this Roman paganism. And so when Jesus points at this and says, "My church is going to be bigger than this," right. like it's gonna it's gonna rule over this. And so here's the cool thing: as a Zionist or a pilgrim or a tourist <laughs> who's standing there 2,000 years later. I'm standing there. There's not a single worshiper of, of Pan, Pan or Zeus or Nemesis or any of the above. Like, there's the place is empty of worshipers. There's no temple sex happening. <laughs> there's nothing. Good like, thing. <laughs> that, right. So, uh, we go there, we're the ones standing there. We're the only ones standing there. And who are you? And who are we? Followers of we Jesus. We are the church of the living God. Amen. We're the we we are his ecclesia. Yes. So what he prophesied to them comes true every day when a tourist goes and does pilgrimage to Caesarea Philippi. Right. He's basically <laughs> It's all gone. It's so brilliant to me. He's, it's like, he's like everything that you see here is will die, mm-hmm. but I will not. I right. will live forever. So, yes, but and I want to take it a little bit further because I think this is really interesting. I think yes. a lot of this fits together, and I almost get to conspiracy nut theory <laughs> to this point. So he's doing that, and then verse 20, then he strictly charges his disciples to tell no one that he was a Christ. Now, part of me thinks the reason he did this was so that they could think back on this moment mm-hmm. whenever he was crucified. Because the very next segment here yes. is an interesting segment. It says... Most people stop right there. Right. The <laughs> Keep reading your Bible. It's a good thing. Yeah. From that time on, so from that moment on... Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Now, I want you to go back to that metaphor of a God going into the grave and coming back out. Mm -hmm. You see, what they did was they took this, I believe that spring and summer and fall and winter are a picture of Jesus mm-hmm. on earth. Yeah. Okay? It's God saying that death comes and then life, life comes. resurrects. Resurrects. Yes. It's a picture of Jesus. And what did those guys do? They took it and they perverted it, right? Mm-hmm. And they made their own gods do it. Yeah. Tried to worship their own gods doing it. But the truth is, Jesus was the picture. Yeah. The best lies have bits um, of truth in them. Exactly. Right. Where does that spring of living water come from out of the gates of Hades. Mm -hmm. It flows out of the gates of Hades. And so Jesus is taking this opportunity to say, I'm the God. I'm replacing this. That's right. I'm the God that's going to go into Mm -hmm. Sheol. He's going to go into the ground. And three days later, I'm going to burst forth. Man, this is a resurrection. Yeah, here's another cool thing. So (laughs) the word Hades does mean 
underworld. Right. Like mythological, Mm -hmm. okay, underworld. But it also means grave. Exactly. Simple grave. Right. So, yes, what you're saying is like, Oh, spot on. <laughs> because where Jesus was buried was Hades. Yes. The tomb that he was in, Hades. That's right. And who does Jesus refer to himself as in John 7? He refers to himself as a spring of living water. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the picture of the spring coming from heaven that floods the earth or floods Zion, right? Yes. And, and yes. gives us life. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus. Jesus is that spring. I can see Jesus looking at that spring and coming thinking, up out of the grave. That's right. So cool. My father made that spring as a picture of me. Mm-hmm. Was so awesome. Okay, so anyway, and think about this too. Uh, water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and so it talks about exactly. those who believe in me will. Uh, Power will flow from their bellies as living water, bursting forth as living right. water. So it's, this is like a this is like a tr- a triple fold type of picture oh, happening. Man, here. so cool. Yes, that that picture of life and water. Mm-hmm. It's the same picture that he gives the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. I will give you living water, water. The, living water, and you shall never thirst again. But it has to happen after what? After he dies, right? Mm-hmm. And so Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. This is hilarious <laughs> because Peter, who helps him make his yes. I am statement before. This is so Peterish. Peter rebukes him. Uh, verse 23, but he turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You're not getting it, Peter. You're yes. not seeing the big picture here. Go look at the living water that's coming out of the grave. Get mm-hmm. the big picture. Anyways. This is so cool because <laughs> it tells you right here what Jesus' message to his disciples was. Right. That I will die. And then and I'll be resurrected. I will be resurrected. And even up to the eve of his death, they didn't, didn't understand this. <laughs> right. Like Well, after his, his death, they still didn't understand mm-hmm. it. So even though this was widely taught because uh, the the Pharisees themselves were like, seal the grave, because word is that Messiah is going to come back. He's going to come back, Mm -hmm. and we don't want grave robbers stealing the body. Mm -hmm. So even the enemies of Christ got it, but for some reason these disciples couldn't wrap their heads around it. In fact, Peter here is being passionate. He loves Jesus in a very passionate way. And he doesn't want him to die physically. Mm. So he's doing this whole thing. But, but Jesus takes the same guy he just renamed Peter like a stone, <laughs> which is it was very God-ish. Oh, yeah. Like like what, what God does to uh, Gideon. With a, oh, yeah. The mighty man of valor. Right. That, that whole thing is so sarcastic or ironic that he would name Peter Peter because Peter was not really all that stonish until... <laughs> After the resurrection, Pentecost, after man. Pentecost, that's right. right. <laughs> and then, boom! All of a sudden, we get a new Peter. It's kind of crazy. And even yeah. then, he backpedals a little bit. Okay, yeah. anyways. So, but I like it. Flows right into verse twenty four, twenty five, mm-hmm. twenty six. Jesus, yeah, that. he turns. And he says to his disciples, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take the cross, and follow me." This is a grave message. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to, you got to die too. You got to die to become reborn, man. That's the case. For whatever, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then in the next chapter, and this is just a freebie, I'm pretty much done. 
he takes him up on Mount Hermon, right? Mm-hmm. Which is this picture of heaven. And what does he do there? He takes Peter, James, and John. And bam. And does the transfiguration. Yes. Shows them exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. You, you want to see me in my glory? Here it is. What do they do? Bah, th- then they want to build temples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very human. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make our own temples oh, up here. Oh, yeah. We're going to do it. Exactly. But it's it's so... But I, I can't blame them. I'd be the same way. Oh, man. Me, <laughs> me too. We're just, just going to hang out here on this mountain. It's like the Garden of Eden. And... <laughs> We're going to chill with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Yeah. Anyways, so all that to say, man, it's so important to dive into history and to mm-hmm. dive into culture whenever you're reading these scriptures because so much light comes to life. And what's funny, and to me this is another thing I love about God. Like God is so, like, he wants to see us, like, flailing around so that we end up in the right place. Right. So, okay, so, like, um, you have all this argument that has happened for years, thousands, hun- yeah, hundreds and thousands of years <laughs> of what Jesus meant in this passage because people aren't thinking right. about the place. They're thinking about the statements, and they're trying to dissect the words and all this sort of thing when it's really simpler than that. It's like Jesus... He's like, I'm not being all that enigmatic here. I'm I'm trying to give them, you my need, disciples here, to see this, yeah. an object lesson. And so instead of fighting about mm. what Jesus' statement means and where the foundation of the church is, it's like, okay, well, maybe that's not what he's even talking about. Maybe that's not what he's teaching them. Right. He's teaching them about his greatness, which is, if you think about it, compare the greatness of Jesus to the foundation of the church or what the church is. Yes, that's great. The church is a great thing. It's the body of Christ, sure. but it's not as great as him. Right? right. And that's what his, that's what his message really was, was I will rule all of this. I'm going to take it back. And so, <laughs> so like, okay, so I'm going to take this to another thing that we did while we were there at, uh, in, in Israel. So we go to Jerusalem, the traditional, Spot for the for the uh, crucifixion, oh, crucifixion and the resurrection. Okay, is at a place called um, uh, Church of the Resurrection, I believe, and it's right mm-hmm. in downtown <laughs> oh, Jerusalem. Sure. There's there's a church there, so right? Like eleven hundred years old yeah. or built in eleven hundred eighty, and uh, so and now it's owned, like it's co-owned by all these different denominations. Yeah. Like the Eastern Orthodox has a corner. And the Russian Orthodox has a corner, and <laughs> the Catholics they got their little corner. Sure, and and they all fight all the time. And the guy who holds the key to the door, a Muslim, they do that because if any of the Christian sects had the key, then it'd be unfair. <laughs> <laughs> so you see the craziness that's oh, happening man, that's around nuts. the spot where Jesus was supposedly crucified and buried. And we went into that place, and I will tell you, honest, honest to God, I walked in that place, I felt nothing, like nothing. I watched people kissing the floor, all these, what I will call idols, icons, whatever you want to call them, it was like gold, it was uh, stuff strewn everywhere, people bowing, incense burning, all this, I felt nothing. It was weird. Yeah, and so I'm walking through all this, 
and uh, you lead, they lead you to the tomb, which is basically they've built a box around a hole in the ground there, and you can go down into it and, and view it. And it was just like it was very unmoving to me, but it was very ceremonial. Like people were freaking out all Sure. Okay, so the next day we went to the garden tomb, which personally, I really believe this was the spot. Sure, it's at, it's it was discovered years later. It's it's outside the walls of the city a little bit, um, but it meets all the biblical criteria. If you go to, I, I'm not going to spend time going on all the details of why I think Gordon's Calvary is the real Calvary. But anyway, we went there, and it's a preserve, like no church can own it. It's owned by the state. They were like churches will not be able to establish anything here. It's a preserve, and this they maintain a. Uh, you know, th- at the time of Jesus, it was in a working garden. Now it's a beautiful garden, like right. it's flowers. Sure. And, and all this. Anyway, you go there, it's serene. There's not a lot of pomp and circumstance. There's, it's quiet. And you just look around and people are mesmerized. And I fell to my knees. Sure. <laughs> like it was, I can't even explain it. I was sitting there at the entrance of that tomb and I could not stand like it was collapsing Mm. and they were like, Hey, you want to go in? I'm like, I want (laughs) to, but I can't get up right now. I got to just, I got to, I got to meditate and pray a little bit and all this. It was moving. So it was so moving. And I thought, how much is it like God mm. that across town people are going nuts over someplace <laughs> that's probably not even the right place? Right. And so I think about that in terms of this whole argument about what Jesus meant. It's like we're all in this theology world, but there's no real heart into what Jesus was really right. trying to say, which is, I'm God. I'm I'm King of the universe, and that's going to trump all this stuff, which I think is so beautiful. Mm. And so why are we arguing and being religious when we can hold Jesus in it? Amen. So I love this whole message. This is great. I was so blessed by going to Caesarea Philippi. So if you ever go to to Israel on vacation or whatever, Make sure Caesarea Philippi is on the and get a good guide. Yes, that that knows his stuff and can actually. Or if you know, if you don't get a good guide, just open up your app and play the Theonauts. <laughs> Invite us. <laughs> That's right. We'll go right right with you and show you exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. And remember to worship when you see that living water, man. Oh yeah, it's just beautiful. So it's, it's amazing. <laughs> so, do you have some news for us? Hey, sure. And now, the news. Got some sad news, man. So, Lifeway Christian Stores, have you heard about this? I did hear about Is that. supposed to close all 170 Christian store, score, stores by the end of 2019. Yeah. You know, it, it makes sense. Uh, they're going to compete shift, with Amazon, man. That's right. They're going to shift everything online. Um, they're going to keep, of course, Lifeway's going to keep going. Mm-hmm. But their retail stores are just done. So, you know, there are a lot of older people that are going to be really bummed out about this because this is their Christian store, store they grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, Lifeway holds a special place in my heart because it is SBC, Holman Christian, and it's always been 
this big deal. Uh, my dad took me whenever I was a kid to tour. Son, let's tour Lifeway. It's the Baptist <laughs> Mecca. It's uh, it's in uh, it's in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, anyways, it's really like walk through the warehouse. Yes. And be like, this is where they saran wrap the crates full of Bibles. These are all the Holman Christian <laughs> translations. So like, this is the source. This is this the is gates. where we get our pamphlets this for our Southern of the Baptist Hades. Convention <laughs> so for the Holman Christians. That's right. Oh man, that's so sad. So, anyways, Amazon's like, and upon this warehouse, I will build my store. <laughs> Gates of <Hades. laughs> Gates of Lifeway shall not prevail against it. <laughs> Sorry. So, anyways, uh, Lifeway.com still up. It's gonna run. Uh, go buy your stuff from Lifeway.com so you can support the. Uh, INB and the, you know. Here's my sad moment here. Okay, go ahead. It has nothing to do with affiliation. Okay. It has to do with I like books. Yes. Maybe I'm just old. You are. That's okay. <laughs> but I like to hold books and I like the smell of the pages, all that sort of thing. And so there's nothing cooler than going into a place that has all these, like, it's. You can just shop and touch uh-huh. all these books and scan through them and buy what you want. You can't do that online. Like, you got to know kind right. of, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And that's I mean, tough. I'll read on Kindle, too. But I, <laughs> but I'm just saying there's a there's a nostalgia and a there's just something special about it. I'm gonna that's m- why I don't think secondhand bookstores will ever, like, go out. Oh, of, I love half-price books. Yeah, half-price books will never oh, go man. out, I don't think. Because people love that nostalgia. Look at the record industry. Mm-hmm. Look how yeah, fast yeah. It, it came back. Yeah, people are like, "There's too many guys like me out there." We don't want to get rid of. <laughs> we don't want to. We we understand the, the value of me and Michael easy stuff, but we don't want to get rid of that that feeling and that product that you have. Yeah, you know yeah. that's a big deal. Um, Francis Chan has publicly finally. Publicly spoken about uh, his um, the 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 big. Uh, have you heard about any of this? The big controversy with him speaking at the Sin Conference. No. Huh? So the Sin Conference is a charismatic uh, conference, okay, run by a whole bunch of people, but mostly name it, claim it people, like the prosperity gospel people. Okay, and they invited like Bethel. Is this like the Bethel group? Or a what? lot like Bethel. Uh huh. Yeah, and they invited Francis Chan, and he accepted. <clears throat> um, he spoke alongside names like Todd White. I don't know if oh, you heard yeah. of that guy. He's he's the he's Bethel. Yeah, like Benny Hinn, uh, <laughs> those guys. So, yeah. uh, Jesus Culture, yeah. Um, I was thinking of doing the whole Todd White thing. What do you think? I need dreads and goodbye muscle. And goodbye. Orange spray on I am tan. now. <laughs> I'm not out. But he came on right after Todd White. This is the big deal. He came on right after Todd White. Yeah. First thing, it was a big deal that he was even at that conference speaking right right because their their theology is not good theology yeah yeah um they write really good music though yeah but they are all prosperity gospel faith healing mm. kind of stuff um which i hey hey i'm a continuationist but 
I call bullcrap on Todd White walking <laughs> up to a guy and going, I'm going to make your leg grow longer than your other leg. Right. So, anyways, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, Todd White was speaking, and then Francis Shane got off right, right after him, and the words that came out of his mouth were, "The what a great uh, man of God, is mm. what he said about Todd White. And okay. Backlash. Internet fire. Immediately. Right, immediately. Yeah. Well, the thing is, so he came out with a statement, and he finally he goes, all right, I realize that, uh, number one, I probably need to have a group of people that fact check the people that I'm speaking with. I didn't... Like he didn't know who Todd White I was? I didn't know who Todd White was, really. Come on. I had no clue who... Uh, the Yeah, he's like, I usually... He's like, my uh, my way of accepting... Invitation. He said, I get 500-some-odd invitations to come speak at conferences a year. Right. And the way that I pick the ones to speak at, I have some that are just set, like, you know, passion. and mm-hmm. that. He's like, but the way that I pick ones to speak at is I look at the roster and I see if I know the people, um, do they have the same message that I'm going to preach? If they have the same message that I'm going to preach, I don't go there. Because I think it's a bad waste of kingdom resources. My goal, and I really believe him in this. Yeah, my goal is to go. Sense. My goal is to go where people aren't going to hear my, hear the same message. Yeah, he's like, I didn't really know any of those guys. I don't have social media. He's like, so he he doesn't he doesn't have, he doesn't get yeah. on any any social media platforms. So I was kind of in the dark about where I was or what I was doing. Other than knowing what I was going to speak, that God gave me to speak, and I spoke it. He's like, uh, "Judge me on the content of my sermon, not on the people that I was sharing the stage with." That's a good point, and that was basically it. So, which I I'd love to preach at an atheist conference. <laughs> exactly. So, like, <laughs> that's what people are saying. You know, why are why are you? Um, the only problem we have is him going. That's a gut man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. But you know. That's p- politics and it politeness. is a I mean, lot of that is. So a lot of people are worried, and that especially he's, if he's basing that on what the message of the day was. Exactly. I mean, on any given day, you could hear a really good sermon from some of these guys. Right. I mean, exactly. You have no idea, and you know Todd White. <clears throat> if you listen to his sermons, mm-hmm. they don't sound that bad. It's not until he gets down in public and starts healing people and speaking gobbledygook that he has a problem. <laughs> Anyways, let's do some today in church history. Oh, I haven't used this one in a while. Getting our TARDIS. Yes. Hop back in time. Man, they sure messed up Doctor Who. <laughs> just love it that Doctor Who always comes up when we do this. <laughs> Today in church history, a man by the name of John Newton accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's amazing. The 21st of March, 1748. He was on a slave ship. It was going down and being beaten Mm -hmm. and being destroyed. Mm -hmm. And he was frantically bailing out as much water as he could. It was at that moment that John started reflecting on his life. And he said, dude, I'm pretty messed up. And then, dude, look, there's a Bible. He picked up said Bible, much to the chagrin of his captain, who said they should throw him over like Jonah. Literally, I'm not even joking there. (laughs) And he started reading, and that's when he converted to Christianity. John Newton then went on to pen the most famous of all 
famous hymns, sung at more funerals and weddings and bar mitzvahs. No, wait, that last one's not right. Than any other hymn of all time, Amazing Grace. Yes. John Newton. John Newton. That's awesome. Uh, he is a great testimony. Hey man, I love the. I love that testimony. And and you know, I heard a really cool version of his testimony one time that was just like, oh man, it was so heart wrenching. The dude was talking about how Amazing Grace is written in the pentatonic scale, which is an African scale of music. Mm-hmm. So there's there's only like what five. Pentatonic. Pentatonic. There's five five notes instead of the eight that we'd Mm -hmm. normally use. And so um, the the guy was talking about how influenced John Newton was by the culture that he was involved with. Right. So he's like, I can imagine him hearing the woes and the cries Uh coming from the... Uh The the hull yeah. of this boat, and that's where he based his tune from. Yep, isn't that awesome? Beautiful. It's like you take what was broken, what was messed up, and made it like God made it into something great. Kind of like what Jesus did at Caesarea Philippi. Wow! <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Don't expect any less from the Theonauts. <laughs> Mic drop. Are right. we ready to go? Is that all you got? <laughs> that's it, that's it, man. <laughs> that's enough, man. We nailed it. Amen. Okay, let me find my button. Rump. <laughs> the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Secret Podcast. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us. Please rate us because that helps us to reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us, like patron St. Karen who just upped her Woo! patronage and want more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, Stop it! <laughs>